Well, we've hardly got room enough to receive them, not so much as about the door. And it's so good to see all of you. I want to know if Gary is here with Hope Farm. Gary Randall, are you here with Hope Farm? Okay, I just wanted to, wanted to see if you were. Tom and Melanie, way back in the back, stand up, would you? We're going to have a word from them at the end of my message today. They're our dear friends in Christ. <clears throat> Amen. And they have a very uh, exciting announcement to make. Well, several of them at the end of the service. Uh, just a, a good report in the Lord. And uh, amen. It's so good to see so many of you. Oscar, hello. Good to see you, Oscar, uh, missionary. And um, so many of our friends. How many of you are excited about this time of year? Amen. We're excited about what God is doing. And we know that God has some marvelous things planned for the year of 2007. It's hard to believe that we're here again. But God has done so many, many great things in one year, and we're thankful. We're so thankful to Him. I want to share with you a, a word today, uh, more brief than usual, I think. I'm not going to promise. But I've, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. And while you're turning there, let me just remind you that we'll be here tonight at 6 o'clock for a very special candlelight service from 6 to 7. And uh, we're excited about that and want to invite all of you to come again for the candlelight service tonight at 6 o'clock. And I want to also remind you that we won't be here Wednesday. So if you come Wednesday, bless the building and go home <laughs> because we're not here. We'll be here next week at 1030 again. One service only next week at 10.30. All right, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, I want to talk today about the star that the wise men followed, and I want to call this message starstruck, starstruck. It says in Matthew 2 verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And here's what they were saying. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts. Deposit something from heaven into our souls today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, when Jesus was born, I noticed in the Bible story that God sent many confirming signs of just who he was. God wanted to make sure that everybody understood who Jesus was. When you look at the signs that he sent, the signs that God sent are as varied as the colors in a rainbow. Many different signs which tells me that God speaks, and I want you to hear this today, God speaks in a variety of ways and means when wanting to communicate with planet earth. See, when Jesus came, God was really invading planet earth. It was an invasion, a good invasion, an invasion of love, an invasion of his son. And I want you to keep in mind that these signs were also sent to confirm and to comfort Mary and Joseph, 
who were just emerging when Jesus was born, just emerging from the difficult ordeal of enduring raised eyebrows and the town gossip over her premarital pregnancy. Believe me, she was the talk of the town and she bore it for the sake of the Lord. Nobody understood that she was pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And how do you tell the town that? You don't. You keep it to yourself. And you don't cast those pearls before swine. God first appeared by an angel and to a group of shepherds. And when he appeared to the group of shepherds, he announced to them that a Savior had been born in the city of David. Angels appeared. The night sky lit up, not by light bulbs, not by a flame, but by God. After finding Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, the Bible records they went out ministering what they had found and made widely known the saying told to them by the angel. They communicated what the angel had told them. There has been born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. But God didn't stop there with just appearing to the angels or to the the shepherds. The Bible also records that a man named Simeon, who had been waiting for the salvation of Israel and upon whom the Holy Spirit rested... God had told Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had personally seen the Lord's Christ. And when Mary walked into the temple with the baby Jesus, the Holy Spirit leaped inside of him and said, that's him. He took Jesus in his arms, lifted him up, and thanked God for the salvation of Israel and the redemption of mankind. And there stood Mary and there stood Joseph amazed at what was being said about their son. What a great confirmation, but God did not stop there. Another person named Anna, who was a prophetess and served God day and night in the temple. When Mary walked in with the baby Jesus, she spoke of him to everybody in the temple and everybody in the town. This is the redemption of Israel. This is God's Messiah. God confirming over and over and over what the parents already knew. This child was not normal. This child was not natural. This child was not conceived by normal means. But the Holy Ghost overshadowed a young virgin named Mary and she conceived. See, you can't get near the Christmas story without having to deal with a miracle. God went beyond natural law. And a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. And we see in our text that something very unusual, wonderful, and intriguing was taking place not just there in the city, but hundreds and hundreds of miles away. We're told that a group of wise men from the east saw an unusual star hanging over what they determined to be Jerusalem. They looked, they rubbed their eyes, they looked again, rubbed their eyes and looked again. What is that star hanging over Jerusalem that we've never seen before? I looked up these wise men, and I'm going to tell you what I found. These were not loony practitioners of the occult, but these were scientists. We would call them astronomers today who were very intrigued by something. They saw it was unusual. It was not normal. They pulled out their charts. They studied the graphs. They looked to see, has this star ever been charted 
ever been recognized, ever been seen before, and it had never been seen before. These men were Gentiles. They were not Jewish And they had not been raised in Jewish tradition or religion, and they were not super familiar with the God of the Hebrews. They were just Gentile astronomers who saw something that caught their eye. Suddenly a star hanging over Jerusalem, unaccounted for, unrecorded, unusual, not a meteor, not a comet. It hung there. It just hung there. These were outsiders looking in. These were not men of the covenant. They were outsiders looking in, just like a lot of non-church people who know nothing about worship, nothing about the Bible, nothing about Sunday school, nothing about fellowship. And they go into a church and everything is new to them. These Gentile astronomers knew nothing about the religion of the Hebrews. But somehow, some way, God had gotten to them a little bit of knowledge about a king who was to be born to the Jewish people. And they began to travel. And they said, we've got to find out what this is. And we know that they knew at least a little bit about Bible prophecy. Somehow God had gotten it to them because when they saw Herod in Jerusalem, when they saw King Herod, they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Today we would say... They were starstruck. They were starstruck. They finally decided that the origin of this star had to be supernatural. So they packed their bags and they headed out for Jerusalem on a long, long journey of hundreds of miles. That star so spoke to them, so drew them, so intrigued them, so captivated them, so grabbed and seized their attention that they had to find out what it was. In their Gentile, religiously unschooled minds, they sensed that something supernatural was taking place. So they journeyed to Jerusalem watching the star, fixed on the star, looking at the star, drawn by the star, starstruck. When I think about this, a few things stand out to me about this story of the star. I got to just come to the conclusion, I got to realize as I read it, that God speaks to all of us in a language we can understand. When God wants to reach you and when he wants to reach me, he, doesn't, he does not use something, he does not use a means that will not grab our attention, that will not somehow, somehow speak to us, that we will not somehow be able to identify with. He uses something in our world to get our attention. Look at the different ways he communicated to different people in the Bible. He spoke to so many different people, so many different ways. He spoke to the shepherds and to Mary and to Joseph by an angel. And by the way, in today's paper, I read of a recent poll, and they put it in today's paper, that Americans polled, 81% of Americans polled said they believed in angels. 81% in a secular poll. Oh, I believe there's probably angels in here. 
I think one of the big surprises when we get to heaven is going to be the shock of how often an angel saved our skin. When you read the Christmas story, angels were active everywhere. They were moving all the time, announcing, speaking, guarding, directing, guiding. And angels spoke to the shepherds, Mary and Joseph, but to Simeon and Anna, God spoke by the power of the Holy Spirit. To Saul of Tarsus, he spoke by a blinding light and an audible voice. To Moses, he spoke out of a burning bush. To Balaam, by the mouth of a donkey. You know you've gone down low if God's got to use a donkey to get your attention. (laughs) But that's all right. God reached Balaam by speaking through a donkey. He spoke to Peter by a dream in a trance. God uses different strokes for different folks. He's a communicating God. And when he wants to reach you, he knows just how to find his way into your orbit and speak to you, whisper to you, draw you, just like he drew these wise men. Because what did they understand? They lived their lives out, scanning the skies. So God decided to use a star. Wow, look at that. Do you know that God cares enough to send his very best? What are they going to understand? Are they going to understand an angel? No, they'd have had a heart attack and died. Are they going to understand a donkey talking to them? I don't think so. What did they understand? They understood stars. So God said, hey, what about this? you never seen this one. And the star hung right over where Jesus was. You see, anytime God comes to speak to us, it will always lead us to Jesus. It will always lead us to Jesus. God uses the means of communication that's going to best grab our attention. He steps into our normal everyday lives, and here's what he says. Over here. I want you to hear me now. He steps into our everyday lives and says, Over here. God will show up on a bad hair day. When you're stuck in rush hour traffic, he'll show up in the middle of a hectic work day or when you're sitting there in a boring class in school. God is at the 7-Eleven. He's at Walmart. He's at a gas station. He's at jury duty. God shows up when you least expect it. He shows up in places you would not look for him. And he says, over here. Interested? He will beckon, he will invite, he will draw, but so often, church, we've got to realize it's not by a shout, but by a whisper. Over here, interested in a changed life, interested in being set free, interested in heaven, interested in peace. Are you interested? He'll beckon, but we've got to seek him. He will generally not strike you with lightning or scrawl his name across the sky. He doesn't arrive in a chariot of fire or enter a room like a laser beam. As a matter of fact, often it seems that he's hiding. Isaiah 45, 15, the prophet said, you are a God that hides himself. 
David the psalmist wrote, God, you hide yourself. Job wrote, God works, but I can't see him. No wonder Paul said we see through a glass darkly. We don't see face to face. We only know in part and prophesy in part and see in part. Because God does not force himself upon our lives. God is a gentleman. God will, God will speak through something from a distance, in a whisper, from the shadows. Psst. I'm here. See, it's, it's, it's so easy to miss God because he visits us in the ordinary stuff. When we're looking for the spectacular, he visits in the ordinary stuff. To Moses, he appeared in an ordinary shrub like thousands he saw every day. And it says, he looked and behold, the shrub was on fire. Just an old shrub. To Balaam, the most common of beasts was a donkey. If I was God and going to pick a creature to talk out of, I would have picked a bald eagle or something. (laughs) But he didn't. He didn't. He spoke through the most common of beasts. To the disciples, he spoke to them while they were just fishing. And this very common man walked up and said, follow me. Cast your net on the right side. And I'm about to show you who I really am. And within the framework and the context of what they did every day of their lives, he showed up. See, he shows up when you least expect it. He whispers from places you would not anticipate. And he wants us to decide he's worth the seeking. (laughs) To Abraham... He was just taking an afternoon nap when three men walked up and said, we're about to judge Sodom. To the world, to the world, he showed up in a manger, a feeding trough behind a hotel that had no more rooms. And the baby Jesus cry, split the night sky. Where did you find God? You find him behind a hotel in a feeding trough. That animals ate out of. He entered the ordinary of the ordinary, the average of the average, the everyday, workaday world, and manifested himself. Over here. Interested? Interested in meeting God? See, some of you think, man, if God wants to get my attention, he can knock me upside the head. He's not going to do that. He's going to call to you. He's going to speak to you gently in a whisper. I love what this one poet wrote. Four lines, but listen to this. Earth is crammed with heaven. Earth is crammed with heaven. And every common bush of fire with God. And only he who sees it takes off his shoes. The rest sit round and pluck blackberries. I like that. There's something about that. Just chews on me. See, God is always calling to us, always beckoning to us. And I'm going to tell you what his star is. 
There was a star for the wise men. They followed it, and they kept following it, and they faithfully followed it until finally it hung over the very house where Jesus was. And let me tell you something about the Christmas story. When the wise men found him, he was two years old, and he wasn't in the manger anymore. He was in a house. And they had journeyed so long to find him. But that star came and hung right over the house. And they walked in and a little two-year-old God met them. Probably talking just fine. Surely walking. And they gave their gifts to him. There he was in a house. The star led them there. What is our star? Our star is like this. Now, see, they said, there's something about that star that calls to me, something about that star that pulls me, something about that star that draws me and tells me that there is a solution to the problems of my life, an answer to the ache in my soul. There is a, a, a solution for the dilemmas I find myself in. Life is more than this. And they found Jesus under that star. Now, let me tell you something. We've got better than a star because when that little boy grew up, he stretched out his hands and he stretched out his feet and they hung him to a cross and he died and you were there and I was there. We were all there and he took your sin and he took my sin upon himself. And now here's what God says. I'm holding up not a star, but this is my star, the cross. And there's something about that cross that draws me. There's something about that cross that pulls me. There's something about that cross that stands out over every other religion in the world. It is not a religion. It is God saying, I love you. And I came to die for you. Amen. And I can remember when I first heard the story of Jesus sitting in a juvenile detention center. I heard the story of the cross. And just like those wise men could not ignore, could not get off their minds, that star, until they finally left everything to pursue it and follow it to where it led, when I heard about the cross, it drew me, it pulled me, it spoke to me, it, 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 it touched my heart and my soul. I heard the message of Jesus for the very first time in my life. And something about that cross, I had to get up and I had to pursue it. I had to approach it. I had to see where it led. And when I followed it and saw where it led, I found a bleeding and dying Savior who died for my sins. And then I found a resurrected Christ who rose from the dead so that I could also one day rise from the dead. I found an answer to the problems of my life. I found that there was more than getting up and going through another workaday world and going home, going to bed and just waking up another day. Meaningless existence, a meaningless life, I found he came to give purpose and meaning and joy and depth and width and height to my life. Listen, he's there. That's our star, the cross. Follow it. You know why you're here today and why no matter how hard they try to take the Christ out of Christmas. I got to tell you something. I love the little buttons that we were uh, passing out uh, uh, last week that said, it's okay to say Merry Christmas to me. 
Now, can I preach a little bit to you today? I want to tell you, you can't take the Christ out of Christmas any more than you could take Jesus out of that tomb in your own power. God raised him from the dead. They tried rolling a stone against that tomb, but they could not keep Jesus hidden from the world. The angel just held out his hand, moved the stone away, and Jesus walked out. You can't keep a good man down. You can't keep Jesus down. So today, our star is the cross and the one who hangs on that cross, Jesus Christ. Our star is the one who rose from the dead and now is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. What a tragedy to go through Christmas and miss the Christ of Christmas. Amen? I want to be starstruck. I'm starstruck. I'm dazzled and bedazzled. I am taken by Jesus. He has captured my attention. And the more I know him, the more I want to know him. The more I walk with him, the more I want to walk with him. The more I pray, the more I want to pray. And the more I stand for him, the more I want to stand for him. I'm waiting for Jesus to come back to this planet and take his church home. Amen. So today, we're here because of a star, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Can we stand together today? And I'm going to ask us to bow our heads for a moment of prayer, could we? If you could just bow your head for a moment, I want to ask a question. You may be able to say today, you know, Pastor Jeff, I used to walk with him. My heart really used to be on fire for him. But I don't know, the busyness of life, maybe a few compromises here and there. And I know I'm not where I ought to be with the Lord. But you know, Pastor Jeff, that cross... Like the wise men to the star, that cross draws me. I know my answer is in that cross. I know my peace is there, and I know that my future is there. I invite you today to come home to him. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, you know, I don't think I've ever had the experience of coming to Jesus and being born again. I don't think that I've ever personally had that experience. I've been in church. I know Bible stories. But I've never, ever just personally said, Jesus, I repent of sin. Come into my heart. And experienced the transformation that takes place when you do that. If you're in either one of those two categories today, I want you to forget about the people who are next to you, who you came here with. Don't think about them. Think about the God that you're going to meet in eternity. The God you'll have to answer to just like I will. And I want you to think, do I need, is he speaking to me? Do I need to come to him? And begin afresh and anew on this Christmas Eve Sunday. 
What a great day. What a calendar day to say, you know, it was back then, Christmas of 06, at that church, Christmas Eve Sunday, that I gave my heart and life unreservedly to Jesus. And I began to walk in his peace. If you're in either one of the two categories that I mentioned, with your heads bowed, would you just slip your hand right up in the air? Just say, Pastor Jeff, that is me. Put him up high where I can see you and don't be ashamed of him. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray with you right down here. Don't think about anybody else. This is about you and him. If your hand is raised, I want you to slip out and come down here right now. Just slip out, tell your feet to begin to walk. As we begin to worship, you come, and I'm going to pray with you, and we're going to pray to the one who's going to change your life and give you the peace that really, really is exemplified by Christmas. You come now, and we're going to pray in just a moment. Come on. Slip out. If God is nudging your heart, you slip out. Some of us need to make a fresh commitment to him. And I'm not going to press it. We're going to sing that one more time. But I believe that some of us just need to come and say, you know, I need to make a fresh commitment to walking with God in the year of 2007. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to let him be not just the Savior, but the Lord. That's why he came. And right now he's calling us. So as he plays, if you need to come, come now. If there's that nudge in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit. You come and stand, and we're going to pray. Thank you, Lord.